You are listening to the weekly podcast of Impact Worship Center in Mableton, Georgia. We pray you enjoy today's message. Turn your Bibles to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. Come on, son, flow with me. Book of Philippians. Um, I believe in order. God, family, church. I don't put impact before Lady T. I don't put impact before my son, 183, and Tiana. And I believe that because I keep my house in order, I qualify to keep this house in order. So when I do things pertaining to order, don't you be offended. Because God wants things done how? decently and in order and God is not the author of confusion so if there's chaos then there must be moments of correction to get things lined up according to, to the way that God would have them be amen tell someone you need order say so stop thinking that your life is going to work when you're out of order That's a word right there. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, stop thinking that your life is going to work when you're out of order. How many people will walk up to a soda machine and put their money in it when there's an out of order sign on it? If you would do that, raise your hand. If you would go up to a vending machine and put your hard-earned money in it when there's an out of order sign on it, raise your hand. What, what makes you think God will invest the essence of who he is into you when your life is out of order? I'm not saying be perfect, but I am saying that when you know to do better, do better. Stop just saying, but that's just how I am. Well, that's just why you are. <laughs> Philippians, I gave you, that was a bonus track. Philippians 4. 6 through 7 verse 6 says be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus on this morning as Holy Spirit shall God I'm going to teach from this theme and topic you don't even understand God is keeping me. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you don't even understand. Tell him God is keeping me. If God is keeping you, identify yourself by giving him a hand clap of praise. You may be seated. Today's text, which is a portion of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians of the Church of Philippi, 
contains two of the most beneficial and beloved verses recorded in our Bible. This is true because in this text, Paul provides the antidote for anxiety. He provides the remedy for worry. This is vital because persistent worry can produce forms of mental, physical, and spiritual ailment. According to a recent article published in WebMD, continuous worry leads to nervous system problems, irregular breathing, escalated blood sugar, stomach ulcers, immune system failure, paranoia, as well as anxiety and depression that robs us of our joy and depletes our spiritual strength. Therefore, Paul admonishes us not to worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer, with thanksgiving, we should present our requests to God. Prayer is not just the key that unlocks the door to destiny. Prayer is also God's strategy to help us maintain a sense of sanity. Prayer is relational communication between God and man. Prayer pulls power from the spiritual realm into our physical reality. Every time we begin to worry, we should see it as a call from God telling us it's time to pray. This is a paramount principle because the more we worry, the less we pray. But the more we pray, the less we worry. Can you all help me put that in the atmosphere? Say the more we worry, the less we pray. But the more we pray, the less we worry. If we pray more, we will worry less. Worry is the kryptonite of joy. You can't worry and have joy at the same time. And if worry saps away or bleeds your joy, it also takes away your strength. Because we learned last week that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Worry is a worthless emotion that triggers anxiety, doubt, and depression. Prayer, on the other hand, is one of our most powerful resources in that it positions us to commune with God concerning our temptation to worry. Prayer, I understand, prayer can be frustrating. It can often feel frustrating, like putting your money in a soda machine, punching the button, and nothing comes out. It makes you want to kick the machine and think twice about believing that it will work the next time. 
But thinking about prayer in those terms causes us to miss how prayer really works. God wants us to pray. He wants us to make our requests known unto him from the premise of thanksgiving. Let's be honest on today. When you have a persisting problem, thanksgiving is the last thing on your mind. God, are you telling me that you want me to be thankful because I just lost my job? Paul, are you telling me that God wants me to be thankful that my spouse is acting brand new? Paul, are you trying to tell me that I should be thankful because I just got an unfavorable doctor's report? Paul, are you trying to tell me that I should be thankful because my bills are longer than my money? Paul, are you trying to tell me I should be thankful because my son is locked up in jail? Paul, are you trying to tell me I should be thankful because my daughter is wayward? Paul, are you trying to tell me to be thankful when they're calling me everything but a child of God, scandalizing my name, backstabbers always in my face, trying to take my face, trying to take my place? Are you trying to tell me I need to be thankful for the problem? Beloved, Paul is not telling us to give God thanks for the problem itself. Paul is telling us to give thanks to God because through prayer, God accepts the, the invitation to intervene our problem. <laughs> to, 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 to infiltrate our issue through prayer, God gets into the situation with us and for that, Paul says, we should be thankful. We should give God glory for his willingness to intercede to help rewrite our story. God is ready to get in it so he can bring you out. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God is ready to get in it so that he can get you out. If you know that to be true, you ought to put your hands together and give God glory in this place. Makes me think about a story I like to tell about a, a granddaddy, affectionately called Papa. Story says that Papa went to visit his first grandbaby girl, and and every time the baby girl cried, Papa would go to the crib and pick the baby up, pat the baby on the back, and say, "Papa's here, baby. You ain't got to cry." The new mother. Come in the room and say, Daddy, put the baby down. You're going to spoil her because when you leave, she still going to want me to pick her up and pat her on the back. Papa reluctantly put the baby back in the crib and walked away. And wouldn't you know that as soon as Papa left the room, the baby began to cry again. Papa went back into the room, picked the baby up and said, Baby, Papa's here. You ain't got to cry. New mother came back through and said, Daddy, didn't I tell you? Who do you think you're talking to? Daddy, didn't I tell you to put the baby down? You're you going to spoil the baby. You can't pick her up every time she cries. Papa reluctantly put the baby back down, and the baby began to cry again. This time, Papa went back to the room, and the crying stopped. And the mother automatically thought that Papa had went in the room and picked the baby up, and she was ready to go back in and fuss at Papa again. Papa 
Ah, went in the room and then the mother came and this time she noticed that Papa wasn't holding the baby on the outside of the crib. Papa had gotten into the crib with the baby. Papa said, since your mama won't let me get you out, I'm going to get in it with you. And, and we worship a God who says, if it's not time for him to get you out of the problem, he loves you enough to get into the problem with you. You didn't hear David when he said in Psalm 23, you, 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 you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thou rod and that staff they come for me that prepareth a table before me in the presence of mine enemies thou anointed my head with oil my cup runneth over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever why? because Papa is with me look at your neighbor say neighbor God my father God Papa is with me so when it's time for me to be held, he'll get in the situation with me. If it ain't time for you to come out, he'll get in it with you. And that's the amazing thing about a father who loves you. A father who loves you, sometimes he'll let you struggle because he understands that the only way that you can one day be strong is that you have some resistance or struggle in your life. A good father is one who understands that in order to make leaning unnecessary, sometimes he has to allow trouble to lean on you. Oh, did you hear what I just said? Sometimes God has to allow the pressure of life to prune you. He has to allow the struggles of life to take place in your life so that you can have a greater appreciation for the supernatural he wants to bestow upon your life. Paul says, be careful for nothing. I don't care how big or how small you think it is. God doesn't just want to be involved in the big things of your life. He wants to be involved in the most minute detail. When I first wet my wife, I thought that she was a little different. Because she prayed for everything. We would go sometimes on dates and she would pray and say, Lord, let us get a good parking space up front. I said, wow, that seems to be a little bit fanatical. But I would rather have a woman that is fanatical about prayer than one who is fanatical about gossip. You'll catch that when you get home. I, I'd rather have a woman who is fanatical about prayer than one who is fanatical about spending my money on Amazon and these smalls. So if you're going to be a fanatical about anything, be, fanat be crazy about Jesus. She was teaching me that Jesus said, Paul said, Paul said, be careful for nothing, but in everything. Somebody say everything. Say the big things and the small things. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Why? Because every time God intervenes, he intercepts the enemy's ill intention. Did you hear me? Now, God is too much of a gentleman to crash your party. He gave us free will. 
which means we can make a decision to do what it is that we want to do, minus his participation. But God says, if you allow me to intervene, I will intercept the enemy's ill intention. Y'all remember, y'all know Deion Sanders, right? Dion, Neon, Primetime, Sanders, you know Primetime. He's known as being one of the world's greatest football players and by far one of the world's greatest cornerbacks that ever played the game. My God, my God. And, and, and the thing that was so awesome about Dion was that he had amazing recovery speed. And he was often able to get interceptions to, to, to spoil the plans of the opposing team. That's what God is saying. God is saying that the enemy thinks he's about to score on you. But right in the nick of time, if you allow him to intervene, he will intercept the enemy's attention. I wonder if you can really understand what the enemy is throwing at you. There are so many things that the enemy has thrown at you that never reached you because God intervened to intercept. Is there anybody in this place who can wave your hands and say, can't nobody defend me like Jesus? He can get down and get low and the enemy may think he's about to score, but right in the nick of time, Jesus will intervene to intercept the enemy's attention. Look at your neighbor say neighbor the reason that it didn't happen was because Jesus intercepted it I was supposed to get sick but Jesus intercepted it I was supposed to lose my mind but Jesus intercepted it my child was supposed to be locked up in jail but Jesus intercepted it is there anybody in this place who can wave your hands and say I give God praise on today not just for the things that did happen but for the things that Jesus intercepted to prevent from happening if you thank God for the interception give God praise in the house today Slap your neighbor high five and say, neighbor, he's protecting me from danger seen and unseen. Say, neighbor, the reason that the enemy couldn't intervene is because God intercepted it. Can you give God an interception praise? I said, without music, without drums, can you give God an interception praise? Because what the enemy meant for evil, God flipped it and fixed it and made it work out for your good. Oh, y'all sit down. Every time God intervenes, he intercepts the enemy's ill intention. You say this morning, God, I may have anxiety. And sometimes I have to fight to maintain my joy. But on today, I offer unto you a petition, a prayer saturated with a sacrificial praise of thanksgiving. Offering a sacrificial praise of thanksgiving is a demonstration of faith in the goodness of God and his ability to deliver in spite of what we see, feel, what they say, what they think, and what they did. Bishop, what can I expect when I pray to God this way? What can I expect when 
I esteem the sovereignty of God over the severity of my situation. God, what can I expect when I praise you in spite of how I feel? What can I expect to receive from you when I give unto you the sacrifice of praise? What can I expect from you when I push past what I feel, when I push past the emotions, when I push past what people think of me. What can I expect from you even when it seems a little bit embarrassing to give you praise considering what I'm going through? Paul tells us in verse 7, he says, when you give God the sacrifice of praise, he says, the peace of God. He says, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God says, when you push past the pain, he'll release peace. Ain't talking back to me. God says, when you push past the pain, he'll release peace that is impenetrable. He'll release peace that the world can't understand because the world didn't give it and the show can't take it away. Open up your mouth and declare, I have peace. Open up your mouth and declare, I have joy. Paul is saying you'll experience calm in the midst of chaos and clarity in the midst of confusion because God is guarding your heart and keeping your mind. You said, Bishop, that sounds good, but you don't understand. It seems as though I'm surrounded by trouble. Is anybody, if you're not there now, you've been there before and you understand what I'm talking about? I mean, you got trouble coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I'm, I'm, I'm. It seems, Bishop, as though I am surrounded by trouble. I came to tell us who on today, if that's how you feel, you need to understand that God is surrounding the trouble that is surrounding you, daring it to go beyond what he has given it permission to do. If you feel like you are surrounded by trouble, God told me to tell you, Elder Emma, that God is surrounding the trouble that is surrounding you, daring it to go beyond what he has given trouble permission to do. God has only given trouble permission to train you how to trust him. God has only given you permission to provoke you to throw the first punch. Baddest man hit my hand. I remember coming up in my mom and daddy's house. I have two younger siblings, a baby sister and a baby brother. And I remember my sister was being bullied by a girl who was bigger than she was. And the girl wasn't just bigger than she was, but she had family members who also would meet up to the bus stop. So my sister was intimidated by everything that was going on. And I didn't learn of this until one day my baby sister came home crying. And I said, this is the last day you're going to come home crying about this bully messing with you. So her big brother walked her back to the bus stop with a bat. Didn't know what to expect, but I need to be ready. The Bible says, be ye also ready. Maybe, maybe the Bible doesn't say that. Maybe, maybe we just say that in church. I, could, I, I can't tell you what scripture that's found in, so I, I'll take that. The Bible doesn't say that. 
Yeah, I had to take that back. You don't want to talk to send me no emails. I didn't want to preach the word. <coughs> I heard it's important to be here also ready. When I got to the bus stop, I realized that it wasn't that my sister was afraid of the bully. She was afraid of the bully's cousin, a big burly young boy who was in the fifth grade but was supposed to be in the eighth grade. But when I rolled up with my baby sister with the bat, he learned that the trouble he was providing had been surrounded by more trouble, a.k.a. baseball bat. And I told my sister, slap her. I did, I did, I did. And my sister had this thing where she would, when she would get mad, she would bite down on her thumb. And I mean, she went way back to 1972. <laughs> and slapped her. The girl fell, and I looked at him. And he looked at me. And he didn't move. Because I had surrounded him with more trouble than he was able to provide. And God is saying to you, you ain't got to be afraid to keep living your life because the trouble that is surrounding you, God has surrounded it and it does not have permission to do what he has not given it permission to do. So you can still live your life. You can still keep your joy because you understand that all things are working together for the good of them who love the Lord to them who are called according to his purpose. Yes, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Is there anybody up in this place who can wave your hands and say yes? It may not feel good, but in the end, God is going to make it good because he's a good God. Yes, he is. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, the God we serve. It's a good God. Now tell him, yes, he is. If you believe that, give God praise in this place. <laughs> Beloved, we are living in an unprecedented, challenging time. So much so that the hearts and minds of men are failing them because of where they have put their trust. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, hear us when we cry. The bombardment of negative images in 24-hour cynical news cycles have created the most psychologically challenged generation this world has ever known. People in the world and in the church are being driven to the point of depression despair and despondency that they deem unconquerable. The enemy's plot is to pervert our peace and jeopardize our joy. I ain't talking about people in the world. People in the world don't pose to have peace. Because how can you have true peace when you're on your way to hell? Now, if you got good sense, if you know that you're on your way to hell, you can't, you can't really have peace. So people in the world are not supposed to have peace when they live a life that is disconnected from God. Because you cannot have peace if you're not connected to the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the 
originator or the authentic, authentic nature of peace. So to live your life a part of him, you can't have peace. So I don't expect the world to have peace. But when the people of God don't have peace, that's a problem. When the people of God don't have joy, that's a problem. So the enemy is trying to pervert our peace and jeopardize our joy. He tells lies that are meant to mess with our mind. No one loves you. You have no reason to live. This is what he's telling the saints. No one loves you. You have no reason to live. Um, here's one. Trustworthy people can't be trusted. So you go through your life not trusting anybody because of the way the last joker treated you. When you weren't supposed to be with him, no way. Can I ask you a question? Why is it that when we deal with fools, we get surprised when they act a fool? Hold up. And then we don't get mad at ourselves. We get mad with God. When before you got into it, he told you, that's a fool. But you thought you can change him. I ain't gonna mess with you because I'm about to lose, I'm about to lose the house. I ain't gonna mess with you. But your bad decision is not God's fault. Your bad choice is not God's fault. And, and, and you know what? You had tail signs. If it made you sin, God was trying to tell you no. If it robbed you of your peace, God was trying to tell you no. Uh-oh, here's a big one. If it distracted you from your purpose, God was trying to tell you no. You just trivialized what he was saying. You know, how, you know how we do. When we really want to do something that God told us not to do, we trivialize it. Well, God, is that really you? If that's you, give me a sign. If it's, if it's really you, God, give me a sign. When I wake up in the morning, allow there to be $2,000 extra in my bank account. It's kind, of, it's kind of games we play with God. God, if it's really you, when I get up in the morning, um, allow my car to have due just on the hood and not on the trunk. Silly stuff. No, God was trying to tell you no when it robbed you of your peace. And now you've got to pay the price for your disobedience. And it ain't God's fault. And the longer you pout about it, y'all ain't going to, y'all don't like this. The longer you pout, you remember you used to get in trouble when you were a kid. So I know we don't spank our kids anymore, but I used to get, I still don't fool with my parents. Anybody that was born in the late 60s or early 70s, way behind. Yeah, yeah. So y'all know something about that backhand. I mean, I mean, mama didn't have to be looking at you and would connect straight to the mouth. Just shut up. I would get my tail toe up, get sent to the room, and based upon how I conducted myself in the room, determine how long I'd stay in there. 
And if I act too stupid in the room, they'll come in and give me some more. I ain't ever been to jail. I don't have, I only have one baby mama that I'm married to. I don't sell drugs. I did, I, I've never even drunk or smoked anything. And I ain't trying to throw off nobody. That's, you know, your, your, your testimony is God can deliver. My testimony is God is a keeper. One ain't no better than the other. We all have a reason and I like to give God praise. But I'm not trying to tell you, you ain't going to kill your child when you spank that tail. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, if you spare the rod, you spoil that child. The Bible also said, folly is in the heart of a child, but a stick. The rod of, a stick, a rod of correction. And you ain't got to hit that child across their head, across their back, across their chest. There's a nice little chunk of flesh. You ain't going to kill them. But if you chastise them, you could save them. Can I tell that story? I ain't going to put nobody's name on it. About a little boy, about a little boy who, who, had the, who threw the cap across the floor. I ain't going to say no names. I ain't going to say no names. I ain't going to say no names. <clears throat> but we, we, you know, we, 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 um, we have a heart for the community, and there's a, there's a coach that comes up, and he coaches a boys basketball team in the community, and we let them use the gym every Saturday to practice to get better. So I'm walking through the gym, and I see this little boy sitting on the sideline with a bad attitude. I mean, he's 10 years old, acting like he's been here 50 years, and he's mad about life. So he's sitting there with this look on his face and this posture that is screaming for attention. And the coach, who I learned to be his father, says to him, please, man, 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 please, man, man, come on over here and let's practice so we won't be wasting our time. Wait a minute. Please, man, man. Come over here. I don't want us to waste our time. <clears throat> okay, well, if you wanna, don't want to shoot, come and let's practice rebounds. This boy gets up and throws his bottle across the gym floor. And before I realized it, I said, pick it up. <laughs> but that's not the kicker. I said to the coach, isn't that your son? He says, yes, sir. I said, boy, respect your father. Where have we grown to as a people where a father has to say please to his 10-year-old son to get him to do anything? I would have been saying, daddy, please take your foot out my tail. And that's not a child that I feed that I can't raise. I don't know why I'm talking. All this new age stuff. 
I feel sorry for teachers because y'all are having to deal with these people's demons. Little imps. Look at disrespect. I used to teach when I was here in seminary. I used to teach at Lindley Middle School. I taught history, sixth grade history. A lot of hogwash, but it paid the bills for the, for the time I was in school. So one day I looked around and surveyed the classroom, and I said, y'all know what? Y'all trying to set Mr. Jones up. <laughs> because when a 12-year-old talks to you like he's grown, the man in you wants to respond to that. I said, you know, well, I said, whoa, wait a minute. I said, I see what this is. The enemy is trying to set me up to get me to cop a case. I said, so I got to find something else to do because if my man expect me to say please to him. One little boy acted up so bad one day, I said, get out of my classroom. He said, where you want me to go? I said, go play in traffic. He said, he said, Mr. Jones, you're not supposed to talk to me that way. I said, man, man, you ain't supposed to act that way, too. I said, so both of us won't go get out of my classroom. <laughs> and I'm saying this because there's either a parent in this room that made a mistake and that child is now affecting your joy, or there's a parent in this room who has a little man, man, and if you don't start dealing with him, he still, he soon will affect your joy. I'm determined you ain't going, 18 ain't going to have my joy. Son ain't going to have my joy, so I'm going to shut it down now. Talk to me like you're crazy if you want to. I, 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 I have to ask for God to forgive me. <laughs> and I ain't the only one. She crazy too. <laughs> I'm trying, we, we up in this thing together. I'm talking to you about the lies. The enemy will tell you to mess your mind. No one loves you. You have no reason to live. Trustworthy people can't be trusted. Here, here's one. God won't do it for you. God has done it for everybody else, but he won't do it for you. Don't you know that God will not withhold any good thing from those who love him? Here's one. Here's one. The enemy tries to mess with your mind or to pervert your peace and jeopardize your joy. He'll tell you, he'll tell you your sins are worse than theirs. You're the unforgivable one. But I came to tell someone on today, no matter what you have done, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, he will separate your sins from you and cast them into a sea of forgetfulness to remember them no more. Scripture says that if we confess our sins, God will be faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The last line that the enemy would tell, try to mess with your mind, pervert your peace, jeopardize your joy is this. You don't deserve that. You will develop the why me mentality. And he'll try to make you feel that way about trouble and triumph. When something bad happens, why did God let that happen to you? Because he's trying to get double to you. Remember Job? Job didn't ask for trouble. 
God recommended Job. God said, say, what you been up to? He said, I've been going to and fro, trying to see who I can mess with. And God said, have you considered? Wait a minute, God, I ain't asked for you to put me on the devil's radar. That's what, you read, you read scripture. Satan was looking for somebody to mess with. Job wasn't on his mind. God said, have you considered my servant Job? He's a good man, upright man. Loves everybody. Hates evil. And, 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 and Satan said, yeah, I know about Job, but I can't get to him because you have a head of protection around him. So I said, okay, I, I, I'll let the heads down for a little while. You can touch his life, but you can't have his soul. Right? So why in the world did God put Job on Satan's radar? Because he was trying to get double to win. Did you catch that? So if you're going through something now, just understand that God is trying to get you double for your trouble, but you have to maintain the right mindset as you go through process. Do you hear what I'm trying to tell you? Just teaching. Ask him as a neighbor. Are you a good gatekeeper? Come on, y'all stand up. We're getting ready to go. Getting ready to go. Say, so are you a good gatekeeper? But because, because, because we have three gates, our eyes, our ears, and our mouth. And how we use these gates can determine if we keep peace and if we have joy. You can't watch everything with your eyes. You can't listen to everything with your ears. And you can't say everything out your mouth. How you handle your gates will help or hinder the health of your mind and the strength of your joy. Do you hear me? I'm teaching this morning. How you handle your gates, your eye gate, your ear gate, your mouth gate, how you handle your gates will help or hinder the health of your mind and the strength of your joy. You got to guard your eyes. You got to censor your ears. You got to monitor your mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, guard your eyes. Censor your ears. Monitor your mouth. You can't watch everything on TV. You can't watch everything on TV with your saved self. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Single ladies, single brothers, be careful what you watch on TV. Be careful what you expose yourself to because it can create even greater struggles than you already have. Married women, be careful when you watch TV shows that are catered towards single women because you can't do what single women do. Ooh, they didn't like that on that side right there. responsibility to your husband and to your children be careful with single women who tell you what they won't take when their intention their motive is to take what belongs to you 
I'm just talking. Guard your eyes. Guard your ears. You can't listen to every type of music. Music is vulgar, that is violent, that is too sexually explicit. I ain't, I don't get, don't get, don't get me wrong. When Lady Tanya and I are getting our groove on, I don't want to hear Shirley Caesar. When I'm working my project, I don't want to hear the whinings. I want to hear some Luther. Here and now, I promise to be one with thee. I want to hear some Teddy Pendergrass. You got, you got, you got what I want. Only you. I ain't talking about that, right? But music that pulls you to a place that disconnects you from God. And you always know when you're being pulled away. Because when you're being pulled away, your mind will stray. When you're being pulled away, your mouth will stray. You begin to think about things that you shouldn't be thinking about. And when you've thought about things that you shouldn't think about too long, it'll eventually come out your mouth and you will have what you Guard your eyes, censor your ears, monitor your mouth. I, I want to give you this, and, and it may seem as though I'm shifting and talking about two different sermons, but I want to say this to you because God told me to give this to you this morning. And it's talking about a way to enhance or maintain your joy. To enhance or maintain your sense of self-worth, your sense of value. How many of you know that because you belong to God, you're valuable? How many of you know that because you belong to God, you should have a high self-esteem, not in pride, but because the greater one lives on the inside of you? Got a bonus track. Y'all ready for it? Y'all ready for it? You ready for it? You can't give your least and expect to feel your best. A bonus track. Did you hear that? Can I say it again? You can't give your least and expect to feel your best. Number two, the second thing God gave for me, gave for me to give to you is, it's impossible to have high self-esteem when you have low commitment and make no contribution. This is the month of March. We're talking about joy, March gladness. It's impossible to have high self-esteem when you have low commitment and you make no contribution. Number three, your sense of self-value is attached to the value you add. If you don't add value, you won't feel valuable. Because you can't be what you don't give. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. So if a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Man, y'all, right now, now y'all, Bishop, say that again. You want me to, you want me to push rewind? Okay, I'm gonna say it again. You type, type real fast. Type real fast. You can't give your best 
I'm, I'm sorry, you can't give your least and feel your best. Number one, you can't give your least and feel your best. Number two, it's impossible to have high self-esteem when you have low commitment and you make no contribution. Number three, your sense of self-value is attached to the value you add. If you don't add value, you won't feel valuable because you can't be what you don't give. You can't be what you don't give. So if you don't give value, how can you be called valuable? Be not deceived. God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that he also reap. So I'm trying to tell you that your joy is in your hands. Did you hear me? Your joy is in your own hands. What you gonna do with it? Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.